Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at TickSplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's TickSplits, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today. Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports, the Monday edition of Bears Victory Monday edition. Yes, it is. We are live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Score McGee on the IG. Make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, you can catch all the four live shows throughout the week. You can listen and watch them at any time. You have to miss them, you can go back and listen to them right on our Sports on Chicago app. Speaking of Sports on Chicago, you can down, you can find them on sports, social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, please find Sports on Chicago on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube and give them a follow today. You want to catch the audio version of this podcast, Second City Sports? You can do so by subscribing to War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type this in your search engine box as you're ready. W-A-R-R on Anchor. Once again, that's War on Anchor on the podcast platforms. And you can follow War Media at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. You have any definite opinions during our two-hour extravaganza we call a Sports Talk Radio Show, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something stupid, I've given Lakina full bolt to give you fools to bill and be a boot. Bye-bye. I love when she says that. <laughs> but before we get started, we must, we must, 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 must remind you that you can now catch Sports on Chicago on Roku TV. That's right. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku Television. If you already have a Roku TV, just tap into the sports folder and download the Sports on Chicago app that way. If you don't have a Roku TV, that's okay. I know you have a streaming device or two laying around, iPad, iTouch, iPhone, Chromebook, laptop, your personal PC. Wherever those devices are, just download the Roku TV app today and tap into the sports section and download Sports on Chicago that way. So get with the program and join the squad. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, live and on demand. Lakina, let's kick off this Bears victory Monday edition of Second City Sports as our, we return for, our, for the first hour of our Monday show, the NFL Bears Power Hour. Lakina, the Bears 
era of Matt Eberflus and Ryan Pace. And then, who Ryan Pace, good grief. Ryan Poles get out to a, a good start yesterday. They defeated the San Francisco 49ers at the lakefront by the score of 19-10. Justin Fields, 8-17, 121 yards, two touchdowns in the pick with a quarterback rated of 85.7. Khalil Herbert led the Bears in rushing yards with 45. Dante Pettis led the Bears in receiving with, with 51. He had that one touchdown catch in the second half, and the defense did their thing with four forced fumbles and two sacks. Lakina, as we said all preseason, this is the beginning of, of the of the steps of Holy, which lead us to a championship. But but before we get down that road, this is the season to see progress and to see the beginnings of a building of a hopefully a championship franchise. We saw that yesterday in the second half. The first half was kind of ugly. The offense was ugly. The defense was okay. But in the second half, we saw some adjustments, and the Bears turned that game around and went in their favor. Well, look, here's the thing. I know nobody wants to. I know everybody's on a high. You know, Bears victory Monday, blah, blah, blah. You know, slip and seal. Slip and slide. Hey, look, I'm all for slip and slide. You know, fun. And look, I'm Whee! all for fun. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's fine. But let's also remember, too, that the first half was terrible. Like you saw some of the remnants of the defense played pretty well. You know, Dominique Robinson, you know, have a day. That that was great, but the offense looked terrible. And yes, the second half, yes, you make adjustments and such or whatever, but they benefited from bad penalties by the 49ers. You know, that that great uh, touchdown pass for Justin Fields and uh, Deontay Pettis, you know, of course, you know, showing a little bit, you know, showed off for his former team because he played for the 49ers. But here's the thing. That would not have happened had they not gotten an extra set of downs thanks to a penalty. And look, I I, I believe what Nick Bosa said in, in interviews afterwards. They, the 49ers beat themselves, and the Bears benefited from that. And also, too, and I think this is another thing that a lot of people aren't talking about. I'm a little surprised they're not talking about it, but Earl Mitchell got hurt at the beginning of the I, – I'm trying to figure out – I was trying to see, like, what, what, where did he actually get hurt at? But I guess he hurt his knee. I don't know if he got, you know, got hurt his knee getting tackled or, you know, and this and that. But he had 42 uh, rushing yards already. He was, you know, moving the chains for the 49ers. And once mm -hmm. he got hurt – the, the wheels kind of fell off. I mean, Debo, Debo Samuel, he, like, he did what he did and, and such, but, you know, but Mitchell was the one that kept the chains moving for the, moving for the 49ers. Once he got hurt, that all kind of, you know, fell apart as well. So, yeah, the Bears won fine, Dandy. Yeah, it was the first uh, uh, time winning their opener since 2013, I should say. But they, they benefited from a lot of the mistakes for the 49ers. That, hey, that's, that's it. What... That's all. Yeah, that's what a good team does. I'm not suggesting that the Bears are going to the Super Bowl. We're not suggesting they're going to make a deep playoff run. I'll tell Bears Twitter that's it. Well, I'm I'm kind of jumping on your bandwagon. Well, we said this all preseason. Uh, can they be a surprise team? Sure. I don't see it just yet. But And that's what team, uh, good teams do. They take advantage of the other team's mistakes, and that's what the Bears did yesterday. Uh, we The other issue that we talked about, Lakina, was uh, discipline. We didn't see that under the last three years under the – old head coach Matt Nagy. We saw it yesterday with Matt Eberflus. You saw, saw it during the preseason. You saw it yesterday. Zero penalties in the second half. They only had three total for the game. As you just mentioned, the 49ers were the ones making the state mistakes with the false starts in, in the turnover. So the Bears stayed disciplined, and they went into their gaps uh, defensively, and they shut down the running game afterwards. And shout out to our guy, Money Earning Mount Vernon Fairley. He says, is it me, or have we been seeing the Bears going against a Packers team after a bad loss for the last few seasons. Yeah, I know the Packers are early nine-point favorite. We'll get into that matchup on our next show on Friday. But yesterday, the Bears were very disciplined. Like, you know, three penalties total. When was the last time you saw 
a Bears team with three penalties or less for the entire game. It's been a long time, so I'm enjoying it for for, for what it is. And we'll see. The, the Bears still has some work to do. Obviously, they have some mistakes to clean up. Like you mentioned, the, the offense was terrible in the first half outside of the few bright spots with David Montgomery with the, with the running game. But it all picked up in the second half because of the 49ers mistakes. Sometimes you're going to win games in this league ugly, taking advantage of the other team's mistakes. It's nice to see, see the Bears do that this time or instead of being on the other end, giving the ball away and doing dumb stuff and letting the other teams take advantage. Here's the thing, though. I Yeah, I saw all the quotes from Roquan Smith and Darnell Mooney and a, and a few others saying that, oh, well, we're being disrespected. No one respects us, blah, blah, blah. Look, if you want to use that you know, as a motivation, fine. I'm all, you know, that that's okay. That that works for you. But I've been seeing, you know, I've been seeing a lot of Bears, you know, various Bears players over the years using these particular things as sort of motivation. And it didn't work out well. So in the end, I've seen this movie before. You want to play the district? No one just no one's respecting us or whatever. No one's been nothing from us. And you want to play that off that motivation? Fine. But again, you know, you're not there yet. I don't want to see Justin Fields running for his life, getting out of the pocket. And says, yes, he's made it. He's made it work. But it's gonna get to a point where someone he's gonna you know either get a shoulder separated or God forbid he gets his knee gets hurt. I mean, that old line still has issues. And and look, you know, the defense on the defensive side. Look, I think. That secondary is still a little bit questionable. I think the weather kind of prevented that from making any uh, sort of, you know, things, any, you know, chances going downfield and such. We'll talk about on the 49 side in a second because there have been some stuff that have come up that I don't think, especially if they, you know, don't pick it up these next couple of weeks. But as far as the Bears are concerned, okay, you're 1-0. Fine. I want to see more. You're not there yet. <laughs> Do you agree with Lakina and your pessimist about the victory yesterday, or or you like yours truly? You take it for what it is and get ready next week for Green Bay. We want to uh, see your comments. Go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you as you're listening to the Monday edition, the Bears Victory Monday edition of Second City Sports live in the living color right here on Sports on Chicago. Lakina. On the flip side, I'm with you about the offensive line. We know that they still have some work to do. They still have some gelling to do. Heaven forbid they don't have any rash of injuries that hopefully it does not come along their way. I think eventually the offensive line will be fine. They need to get better, as you mentioned, in the pass protection. We said that during the preseason. Or else Justin Fields will be running for the side for a whole lot more than we expect. But in, in as far as the running game is concerned, I thought they got better, especially in that second half when the defense of the 49ers, the 49ers were starting to wear down. You saw Khalil Harbis, uh he didn't bust out as many long runs as expected, but uh, they ran the ball effectively. Khalil Harbert was uh, awarded with a touchdown to extend that lead in the fourth quarter. Now, on the flip side, this, uh, the special teams, Cairo Santos, and yes, you can blame it on the weather partially, but missing two out of your three extra points, that, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it, especially the team that's trying to grow and form an identity, and you, you need to learn how to win close games. Those going to come and bite you, and you know what, later on down the road. we Remember, we saw Cody Parkey, and, and you saw what happened back in 2018. We won't go down that road again, but the special teams, especially in the kicking department, they need to be cleaned up. I thought the defense was very good. Jaquan Brisker, we talked about him you know, during the draft. Lakina, shout out to Will DeWitt from um, CHL Chicago. He covers the Bears for them. And our guy DJ Turnbright from the Fundamental Sports Show on WBON here in Chicago. They raved about uh, this kid. We talked about him during the preseason. I thought he had a good game yesterday. Alone, like like you said, with uh, Dominique Robinson. Rowcross Smith was very good in coverage yesterday. And also, too, I, I thought that that defensive line really uh, held their own, especially in that second half where they forced Trey Lance to play quarterback instead of him running all over the place like he did in the first half. 
Well, and, and I want to uh, take issue what you said about being a pacifist. Okay, these are these are me stating facts. It's not like about this is about you know me, your so called being a so called hater, being pessimistic. These are facts. <laughs> All right, just because some of y'all aren't ready to have that conversation, don't, don't come up at me saying that. Oh well, how dare you say you should be happy for the win? I saw that yesterday, on a couple of people were actually bringing up what I just said, and people said, "Well, shut up, like, you know, shut up, you know, such and such. You know, you should be happy for the win. Be happy. Shut up and be happy." No, these are mistakes. They still have to clean this stuff up. And yeah, look, they. And look, look, they did what you're supposed to do in the second half. Look, they made adjustments. You know, yes, mm-hmm. they, they pressured uh, Lance a little bit more, make him have to, you know, pass it and, and such. And that's fine. But also, too, there's still there's still a lot of things to be, you know, to clean up. And, and I'm already seeing people say, oh, they're going to win the division or they're going to go to the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> let, let, let's temper the expectations a little bit, folks, okay? That's all I say on that. Now, as far as, look, yeah, there were some bright spots. Like I said, Robinson was really good. And, you know, like Kyle Gordon had a, a couple of nice stops as well. I mean, okay, yeah, great. That's fantastic. But, again, you need to, you know, you need to count, concentrate a little bit more. Like I said before, on the defensive side, look, it looks like we're going to be seeing, because we see this when we get before, the defense is going to keep them in games. That's fine. But, again, if you're trying to, you know, be a, be a contender, I'm mean, doing air quotes, contending, you need your <laughs> offense to kind of, you know, you need your offense to score points too. The defense, and again, we've seen this movie multiple times for over the years. It can only get you so far. You need to get it together on the offensive side. Like I said, I don't want Beals to get hurt. I don't. So again, I want, like I said, let's wrap this up because I want to talk about the other games mm-hmm. in the uh, in the league because there were actually some a couple of interesting uh, results last uh, night and yesterday. But uh, to, to cap off this uh, this uh, Bears discussion, look, fine, great, look, celebrate, go ahead, it's fine. Look, yeah, I look. I was not a believer that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Look, this team could still end up, end up winning only five or six games. But well, I, I think, but I also think that I, I think that people need to remember that are they the worst team in the league? No, but they're not. They're not up there yet. They're not. They're not even. A, they're not even a mediocre team just yet. Your, your, your offensively is for. Yeah, your offensively is for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh Trey Lance had uh, 164 yards passing. Trey Lance also led the team in rushing with 54 yards, and Jawan Jennings had four catches for 62 yards. Lakina, the, the the offense looked great for San Francisco in that first half, but in the second half, as you mentioned, the defense uh, made some adjustments and stepped up. Debo Samuel, he picked up where he left off last year in that first half, but I think after that turnover created by uh, Jalen Johnson and Jaquan Brisket picked up that fumble, I thought uh, it turned in the other direction for Debo Samuel. He wasn't as effective in the second half, but the 49ers, I thought, had a good game plan to start the game. They scored the first 10 points of the game, but after that, the Bears made adjustments and good night, Gracie. Well, and but also too, you also got to remember too. I think they went away from their game plan and such. You know, they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, once. And I said, I'm gonna keep saying it. Once Mitchell got hurt, that's when things started to turn. Again, I know people don't want to have that conversation, but it did because he was actually running the ball pretty well against that Bears front seven. So you know, look, you can say it's there were multiple factors here. Could have the weather have been played a factor too? Sure. I mean, like mm-hmm. a girl K. Rudy said from K. Ron, uh, K. Ron, uh, Four News in the Bay Area. A lot of these guys have not on the 49ers side have not practiced in the rain all year, all, all season so far. The first couple of months, so you know, it, it's and look, it, it is what it is. But again, you know, wanna uh oh oh look, our buddy Lamont Scott said we yeah, can't get mm-hmm. with one with one win on a bad field, and and yeah, he's right. That saw was terrible. Like that 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 saw was awful. So it was like. 
you know, yeah, all things be equal. Yeah, yeah, they had to put on it too. But you guys, that might have been how Mitchell got hurt. But again, that's a whole different uh, scenario here. Yeah, I was watching the pregame both locally and nationally here in Chicago. Uh, of course, our good friends, Caitlin Sharkey, Cassie Carlson, yeah, and others, they were showing a live uh, film and footage of the field. And, th- and remember, that field was covered in Tarpontella Brown. 10 30 ish Chicago time. That was 90 minutes before kickoff. And then once that tarp was left off the field, it looks like the field was even worse. And then mm-hmm. once it got into the game, the rain did let up a little bit until the fourth quarter and it started to do the heavy downpour. That field was terrible. I know they were raking it about four or five times. It, it, it just looked ugly. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Bears uh, took advantage of it and they won the game. So you can't get mad at that. Well, no, and thank goodness I've... no serious injuries came out for the on the Bears side because of it. No, you can't get mad at it, but you can't look past it either. And I think that's going to be the key issue here. So we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to talk about the rest of the games from week one, including a couple of upsets, some dominating performances, and a whole lot more. Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, Second City Sports on SportsZone Chicago. More NFL talk right after this. that you're in my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's just supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference.
Welcome back to Second City Sports on this Bears Victory Monday edition right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakino. You can follow your truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGill on the Twitter and at Keenan Scott McGill on the IG. We have the rest of the NFL action from week one from yesterday that we have to go over. But if you still have comments on yesterday's Bears game, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. As always, Lakina, uh, there are other uh, action from around the league from yesterday for the first Sunday of the new 2022 season. Let us get it started with the New Orleans Saints coming from 16 points down to defeat the Atlanta Falcons 27-26. Jameis Winston, 23 of 34, 269 yards and two touchdown passes. He had over 140 yards and two touchdown passes in the second half alone. Former Bear Cordell Patterson for the Falcons, 22 carries, 120 yards and a touchdown. And Landry, Jarvis Landry for New Orleans in his Saints debut, seven catches for 114 yards. And let's not forget Michael Thomas, uh, who missed all of last year due to injury, the Saints star wide receiver. He had those two receiving touchdowns yesterday in the comeback victory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Atlanta blowing a big lead. Yeah, there's a there's a shocker. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, they were – I mean, I, I don't know what to say about this. I mean, there was no excuses for Atlanta uh, losing this game the way they did. I mean, they dominated the Saints, you know, from the start. Of, but then the fourth quarter, they started with the comebacks and such. This is by, you know, wasting a good uh, performance by their defense. The Falcons defense, they, they attacked James Winston four times. And they, you know, again, this is where they say that it happened during the Super Bowl a few years back. You know, they mm -hmm. didn't run the ball like they should have, and they kept you know, they kept the, the Saints in it, and that's how they were able to pull it off. But, you know, this is more about the Falcons losing the game than the Saints winning it because the Falcons should have won this game. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, they went into Buffalo and shocked the Bills in, on opening weekend. This year, we told you on Friday it could be a possibility, you know, your Shirley, Christine, and Lakina picked the Bengals. The Steelers do it again this year to start off 2022. Uh, they defeated the Bengals 23-20. to uh, there was three mixed kick, kicks in the game. There was a bunch of penalties, a bunch of turnovers. Thank you, Joe Burrow, who's on my fantasy team, who screwed me over yesterday. But that's a whole other story. But speaking of the game itself, Joe Burrow, 33 of 53, 338 yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions and a lost fumble. Joe Mixon for Cincinnati, 27 carries, 82 yards. Jamar Chase, who had two touchdowns taken away from him because he was out of bounds, still had a great game individually. 10 catches, 129 yards, and that touchdown, which forced overtime because your kicker decided to miss an extra point. Yeah, it that whole no game. Sense. Yeah, that whole game was strange from start to, from basically like the, the last like two minutes of the of the fourth quarter. I mean, TJ Watt got hurt. We'll see how much time he miss he misses, and like a couple other guys got. They chase Claypool got hurt as well. So mm -hmm. it, it was one of those things where you're you're kind of like, yeah, this is definitely a, a typical Steelers uh, Bengals uh, sort of thing where you know miss kicks and everything else. And I, I don't know what the heck happened there, but uh, but also sort of like the big thing. You're Barry Lee here said uh, Burrow was sacked seven times. Mm -hmm. That was a big issue. That's been a big issue for that Bengals uh, offense. That O line is mm -hmm. terrible. You thought the Bears O line was bad. Well, the Bengals said, "Hey, hold my beer. Seven sacks. Uh, <laughs> Look, you got to keep them upright. That's not going to work." Super Bowl hangover. Like I said, I I, I mm -hmm. think that a lot of people are forgetting that the people are not afraid of the Bengals anymore. So 
this is a big win by the Steelers, a good a good division win by them. I mean, can they, you know, be right there for the AFC North? Sure, sure, but I don't think they're there yet either. You know, Mr. Trubisky had a nice showing. No interceptions, threw for a touchdown, you know, kept it moving. You know, Harris got hurt, so I, I think that's going to be a thing that's going to be looked up as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with the Steelers. But, yeah, uh, the Bengals, I don't want to say they're in trouble, but – they they need to they need to up up that o, that O line again. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the Steelers victory yesterday came at a cost. Let's go to Detroit. The Philadelphia Eagles get by the Detroit Lions, thirty eight to thirty five. The Eagles led by seventeen points late in the uh, third quarter. The Lions did make a comeback, but it was too little, too late. Jalen Hurts eighteen to thirty two, two hundred forty three yards passing. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Ran the ball well for Detroit, 15 carries, 144 yards in the score. A.J. Brown, in his debut as a Philadelphia Eagle, had 10 catches, 155 yards. And James uh, Bradbury had a pick six return for a score for Philadelphia. Yeah, it's interesting that you know, this game, you know, because the, the, the Lions, they, they still right there, but, you know, I, I you know they you know, the Eagles kind of show you that they're one of the favorites in the NFC East, and they showed you why. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not, not the, again – not the flashiest game. This is a very high-scoring game. You know, mm-hmm. The the Lions you know, kept it very close. They scored 14 unanswered in the in the fourth, but they were able to kind of like hold off the Lions. The Eagles did so. Again, like they, they got to clean up. And AJ mm-hmm. Brown, you know, did what he's supposed to do and and whatnot. But you know, they they you know the Eagles need to work on their defense because they they gave up a lot of like late uh, points. Mm-hmm. So that's that you you can't do that if you're trying to win the division. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I, I was watching the majority of this game live via this computer screen. Shout out to Adam Amin, Chicago Bulls TV announcer. Of course, he does the games for Fox, and he did a great job with Mark Schlereth yesterday. And he kind of made that same point toward the end of the game that the, the Eagles defense needed to uh, tighten up a bit. So Philadelphia takes the opening day win on the road. Let's go to South Beach. The Miami Dolphins get by the New England Patriots 27 to a tongue of a Lova, 23 of 33, 270 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the, um, Harris, uh, Demetrius Harris for Harris. for New England. Sorry about that. Nine carries for 48 yards. A Tyreek Hill in his debut in the Dolphins uniform. Eight catches for 94 yards. Yeah, the big story here was that Mac Jones got, you know, was hurt, you know, back spasm. So the, you know, the X-rays were, ne- were negative. But, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of wondering, like, okay, you know, things are kind of starting to fall off the the Harris trenches here for Green Bay, I mean, for, for New England. But, you know, Tua, look, Tua had a good showing. He made some, you know, questionable decisions. But, you know, that mm-hmm. new offense, he did throw for 270 yards and whatnot. Tyree Kill did what he you know, did his thing. You know, 94 yards. He was raving about uh, Coach Mike McDaniel after the game. And it was really – but it was also – it was really the, the Dolphins' defense that kind of, you know, just sort of like, you know, propelled them. And, look, just, you know, the Patriots couldn't get anything going offensively. So I think that, mm-hmm. that you know, didn't help for them as well. Now they need to kind of hang on to the ball. I'm talking about the, the Dolphins a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I mean, so a, little, you know, a few too many fumbles for my liking. But, again, not the not the best performance, but you'll take it if you're a Dolphins fan. Yeah, so you know, that's kind of the vibe that I got looking at. I did turn to this game a couple of times uh, via the red zone in this computer screen. And the Dolphins, uh, it wasn't their best performance, but they did enough to get by in the Patriots. They just couldn't get nothing going offensively. And the Davis did it what it could to keep themselves in it, but it just wasn't working for the Patriots. And if I was a New England Patriots player right now uh, at the facility, I do not want to be in that family room with Bill Belichick or as we call him on this show, Bill Belichick, because uh, that performance was uh, terrible yesterday. Let's go to New Jersey, Lakina. The Baltimore Ravens get it done by defeating the Zach Wilson-less 
uh, New York Jets, 24 to 9. Joe Flacco, 37 to 59, 307 yards to the touchdown. Uh, Carter, the running back for the Jets, 10 carries for 60 yards. And, uh, and, and, and the Davis <laughs> star wide receiver for uh, the Jets, six catches for uh, 77 yards. Lakina, it was uh, Corey Davis, I should say, for the Jets, six catches, 77 yards. But it was all about Lamar Jackson yesterday uh, for Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, he's been on himself. Apparently, he uh, turned down a $250 million uh, contract with about $180 million guarantee. Again, if it, that's if you believe a lot of the reports that are coming out from various non-sources, not with him or the Ravens. You know, threw for 213 yards, three touchdowns, also rushed for 17. Again, you know, they were all some of their guys. You know, Ronnie Stanley was out. I know J.K. Dobbins was out. I know they lost uh, Juwan James, you know, who mm-hmm. looks like, you know, a, a toward Achilles, which he's had a, a rough last few years and such, mm-hmm. but they really didn't need them against, you know, the Jets. I mean, there are still the Jets, unfortunately. So, you know, they really, again, not the flashiest performance by the Ravens, but you, you'll, you'll take it. I mean, he really did. You know, yeah. Marcus Williams had an interception, you know, that, that kind of helped that a little bit too, but you know, again, it is what it is. You'll, you'll take the win if you're the Ravens. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Washington Commanders uh, did battle in, in D.C. yesterday. I understand uh, most of you that watched the Bears game yesterday were switched over to the, to the conclusion of this game yesterday. The Washington Commanders started off slow but hung on at, at the end for a 28-22 victory. Carson Wentz in his Washington debut, 27-41, 313 yards and four touchdown passes. James Robinson for the Jaguars ran the ball 11 times, 60 for 66 yards and a score. And Christian Kurt in his Jaguars debut, six catches for 117 yards. Lakina, Trevor Lawrence in the Jaguars offense started out cold, but they picked it up in the second half. But but uh, his um, tendencies were turning the ball over. It came to bite him in the end. Yeah. Yeah, it really it did, and unfortunately, like I said, they they tried to get to get it going, but I guess they were too in too big mm-hmm. of a hole, and also too you know you know you know get you know give Carson with some credit. He threw a couple of big touchdowns that definitely propelled that you know they didn't hang on. And, yeah, he stunk it up early too. I did watch some of this game. But yeah, he did. But yeah, like I said, he picked it up too. And like I said, the you know, he threw a couple of big uh, TD passes to kind of help there, you know, for that in that cause too. But I mean, look, you know, Terry McLaren, you know, did what you know got that big money. He'll call one of those touchdown passes. Curtis Samuel, same thing, caught a touchdown pass. Jahan Dotson, you know, threw, you know, caught a couple of those uh, passes as well. Mm-hmm. And look, the Jaguars. I mean, look, if you want to be taken seriously, it'd be right there as a serious contender for one of those wild card spots. That's what some people think that they can be. You need to kind of pick it up, and your defense, you know, really kind of helped you, mm-hmm. left them hanging as well. So this is about, you know, Devin Lloyd having 11 uh, tackles and such, but they really, they didn't force, you know, they had a couple of interceptions, but unfortunately they really, you know, they really a little bit with it, but, you know, they couldn't make the stuff that they needed too late. The Cleveland Browns opening day lose the streak is now over. The Browns get it done with a Cade York 58-yard field goal at the Horn to defeat the Carolina Panthers, 26-24. Baker Mayfield for Carolina uh, against his former team, 16-27, 235 yards and a touchdown. Nick Chubb for the Browns had 22 carries for 141 yards. Robbie Anderson for Carolina had five catches, 102 yards, and the score. Lakina, the Browns came out on fire in the first half, scoring 17 of the 24 first half points. Carolina scored 17 fourth quarter points. Took the lead briefly, but uh, 
Cleveland uh, did what they had to do at the end to hang on to, to a victory. And I, I don't know, uh, shout out to our guy Spiro Diaz who uh, called the game for CBS yesterday, yesterday. Did you see this statistic for yards per run? I believe Nick Chubb is the tie for second all time mm -hmm. next to Walter Payton and Barry yep. Sanders and Gail Sayers. Yep. That is astonishing. Yeah, it's amazing what he's done. And uh, they'll shout out to anybody who has him on their uh, fantasy, te fantasy team. I don't, but you know, shout out to those that <laughs> those that don't know. I'm sure going to be facing whoever you know. I believe I'm on. I'll be facing him uh, later on this year. But I mean, look, the you know, the Panthers defense let him down. I mean, that you know, look, mm -hmm. Mayfield wanted to win this game and wanted to stick it to his former team. And but unfortunately, their defense, you know, they gave up too many uh, plays. You know, too many rushing. Uh, you know, look, Riss, you know, Rissett, you know, shows you why he's been around for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, did the, made those big plays late that got him in the field goal range. I love the fact that the, uh, the, uh, that the Browns Twitter accounts sort of say, hey, you know, this is why uh, you draft a kicker. I'm like, you know, slow your roll, folks. I mean, just because yeah. in this case it worked, you know, the don't, don't, you know, that's not something that that is a wise. Yes, you lucked out with a K. York was actually a really, was a really good kicker coming out of college. So, mm -hmm. but let, let's slow your roll there. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know the Panthers are going to be smarting this one. They were actually booed. They were actually booed because of the fact that, you know, Cleveland kind of dominated in the second quarter. But they got back in there. The crowd got back into it. But, like I said, the defense kind of let them down. Like, they gave it to me big plays. Yeah, Kate York, as you mentioned, like, you know, the one who kicked the game winner for Cleveland. I saw the statistic before he kicked the game-winning field goal. CBS flashed it up. He was 15 of 19 from from 50 yards or more out in his college career that 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 is just amazing so and we shouldn't have been surprised at what happened yesterday so the browns pick up the victory on the road against the panthers now the last of the early games of uh, the indianapolis colts in the houston texans uh went to a 20 to 20 tie that's right there's not a mistypo here they ended up in a 20 to 20 time lakino remember i told you on friday to pick the houston texans in the points well, they accomplished that. <laughs> and as far as the statistics are concerned, Matt Ryan in his debut in the Colts uniform, he was 32 of 50 for 352 yards and a touchdown in a bad interception toward the end of that first half. I was watching that play live. Jonathan Taylor for the Colts, 31 carries, 161 yards and a score. And Michael Pittman Jr. for the Colts, he had nine receptions for 121 yards and the score. This could be this time could kind of especially the Colts are right there, you know, competing for the AFC South. This could come back to bite them in the butt. So I think that's a whole different uh, mindset there. Uh, you know, Ryan because the first QB to have his debut game result in a tie since Kyler Murray did it when in his rookie season, you know, back in you know 2019 when they tied with the Lions, you know, 27. But this one is sort of was just weird. Like the ending was kind of just weird. They decided to they you know the Texans, of course, Lovey Smith is sort of his mantra. He played for the tie. What he could have, mm -hmm. you know, I guess he didn't believe in his kicker, so they felt that it was sort of again the game was just strange. I mean, you know, it, you know, Indy scored seventeen unanswered in the fourth, and that's how they got in this situation mm -hmm. too. So that whole thing was just you know a strange game to watch. But I, I don't know. I mean, look, you know, Jonathan Taylor one hundred sixty one yards, but you know, it, it's like this is sort of one of those. This could be a tie that that could help the Colts in the end, or it might actually help hurt the Colts. <laughs> I should say in the end. So. We'll have to wait and see as the season goes. But, uh, yeah, this was a strange uh, – and a litany of strange uh, results and, you know, games and such. You listen to Second City Sports on the Monday edition of Bears Victory Monday edition right here on Sports on Chicago. We're live in living color. I'm Sid. That's Lakina as we take you around the league for week one action that 
took place yesterday. Now let's get to the late games. The New York football giants stunned everyone, including yours truly, as they defeat the Tennessee Titans 21 to 20. Uh, they went for two at the end, successfully converted, and the Tennessee Titans uh, missed the chance to win the game by missing a field goal. Ryan Tannehill for the Titans was 20 of 33, 266 yards and two touchdown passes. It was the Saquon Barkley show for the Giants, 18 carries, 164 yards, and a big touchdown in the fourth quarter. And Sterling Shepard, if you haven't heard that name in a while, he's he's their third wide receiver for the Giants. Two catches, uh, 71 yards and a score. Yeah, you know, they went for two, the Giants did, after scoring that uh, tying game-tying touchdown. Now, look, again, this is one of those instances where, look, it worked. But if it hadn't worked, people <laughs> would be calling Brian Dable nuts. So, yep. look, in this case, it actually worked for him. So, you know, you go with the odds sometimes. Look, they went for it and they won. And luckily for them, uh, you know, they, they, you know the Titans missed it from, uh, from three. So, yeah, so it, it's, it's definitely kind of one of those things where, Again, same thing with the you know with the Titans. This could be one of those losses that come back to bite in the butt in the end when it comes to tiebreakers. Yep, I turned to that game a couple. Oh, I turned to that game a couple of times. So, Kenny, it, it was a dud, as you say, uh, as you would say. But I, I know most of the people didn't catch the halftime show from this game. But the Kurt uh, Menifee asked Jimmy Johnson, "What about the Giants' performance in the in the first half? Because they were shut out in the first half." He said, "I know the uh, the New York Jimmy Johnson talking. I know that the Giants had the second worst cap salary cap situation in the league. But you got to wait till next year." Kurt looked at him like, you got to wait till next year if you're a Giants fan. He said, yeah, and the rest of the crew started laughing. They went to commercial. That's how bad the New York Giants play in that first half. But give them credit. They stuck it out in the end, and Brian Dable has his first victory as a, a the coach of the men in blue. We'll see if, if Barkley's back. But the thing is that he has to stay healthy. So, mm -hmm. you know, so far, so good with him. Now, in the next game, in the trenches in those uh, 3 o'clock games, uh, uh, throwing one here in the AFC West, you got the Chargers beating the Raiders 24-19. This is actually a pretty interesting game. Now, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Raiders actually had a little mini comeback. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert had three, you know, for three touchdowns, 279 yards, and he, you know, joined some pretty good company. It's his 14th career game with three-plus touchdown passes, and uh, he only trails, of course, Pat Mahomes, of course, still active. And Kurt Warner and uh, Dan Marino for most such games with with, with players in their first uh, thirty five career mm -hmm. games. Derek Carr had uh, two touchdowns but had three interceptions, so that definitely didn't help the Raiders in that in that sense. Uh, Josh Jacobs uh, rushed for fifty seven yards. Uh, sort of a running back by committee for the Chargers. Mm -hmm. They they together uh, rushed for seventy six yards. But yeah, it was actually a pretty interesting game. I mean, like I said, in the second half, the Raiders kind of picked it up, but. You know, those interceptions by Carr mm -hmm. and also two a few other things are kind of, you know, got got the Raiders in the end there. Yeah, I watched the majority of this game live via this computer screen, just like you did. And we told you it was going to be a good game. We didn't I didn't think we were going to get the classic like we did at the end of this regular season last year. But as you mentioned, the Raiders shot themselves with turnovers, especially early. Derek Carr, I thought, forced a couple of bad throws, which cost them at the end. The offensive line was terrible. As we told you guys during the preseason, the, the we call them the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles on this show, but the L.A. Chargers defense was going to improve. Khalil Mack showed up yesterday. I think he had three sacks uh, in all yesterday. He was very active. Uh, Joey Bosa was very active as well. And, so, and that secondary for the Chargers is going to be something special. So you guys better watch out for that. But on the flip side, offensively for the Chargers, Justin Herbert is quickly becoming a top five quarterback in this league. And he should, showed that yesterday. Did you see that touchdown pass to Gerald Everett in the mm -hmm. left corner in the end zone? Mm -hmm. That was spectacular. 
Yeah, that that deal kept his tippy toes inbound. So that was a mm-hmm. that's sort of like a little bit of a dance move there by him. But yeah, so a, a big win for the Chargers in that division, and that's going to be a very competitive division. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a second. But uh, you know, the Vikings beat the Packers twenty three seven. You know, they couldn't get the offense going. I'm talking about the Packers. I mean, Aaron Jones rushed for forty nine yards. AJ Dillon had forty five. Uh, Rogers was uh, 20, 22 for 34, I should say, 195 yards and an interception. You know, lots of drops. And, and look, on the flip side, though, Kirk Cousins that, you know, threw for two touchdowns. Dalva mm-hmm. Cook had 90 rushing yards. Justin Jefferson had 184 yards and caught two touchdowns. <laughs> Both those touchdown passes from Cousins. So, you know, just like I said, just could get the offense going. I know that uh, Harris Smith had also had an interception, too. That was that interception that uh, Rogers threw. But I also mm-hmm. want to, uh, you know, Call folks that look, you know, the Bucks kicked the uh, Packers butts last year in the opener, and look what happened there. So I know a lot of Bears fans want to, you know, you know, talk a little trash, but I would say, look, look what happened last year. I know this is not the same team, of course. You know, Adams gone, Dante Adams gone, mm-hmm. and such. But you know, this is still Aaron Rodgers is still Green Bay. I know, and also too, they had a lot of guys that didn't play either. So let, let mm-hmm. let's kind of temper, let's let's slow it down a little bit there, folks. You can't really blame this on the Green Bay defense, even though they don't have the same personnel as they did a year ago because, one, you had to uh, pay Aaron Rodgers to come back and play. But it was all about, as you mentioned, the offense for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is still going to take him some time to get used to these wide receivers. We talked about this during the preseason in in training camp. Uh, He was yelling at guys. People had a problem with it. Uh, I know he still wants a Super Bowl or two before he uh, he calls it a day as far as his career is concerned. But yesterday, you mentioned with all the drops and, and the miscommunication in the timing of it those things take time and people think that stuff uh, uh, when you jail together things take time you got to learn a new playbook have new personnel and the terminology of these plays so these things take time i know some folks don't want to hear it you, know, you expect it to play like your madden video game but things just doesn't have does not happen overnight these things take time real quick you because know, we grew up like going up against it, like mm-hmm. kansas city and arizona um well if you know- cbs you wanted to puke yesterday <laughs> Yeah, you had your top team there in Arizona. You know, not much of effort from Arizona. I know. I, mm-hmm. Look, I know. You know, Rod, Rondell Moore was out for the uh, Cardinals. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for the first six games of the season. You gotta think that that's gonna that's probably gonna be a deterrent for them these first few weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Pat, you know, Pat Mahomes threw for five touchdowns, three sixty yards. Ho hum. Kelsey, you know, caught the hundred twenty one rushing yards as I mean receiving yards. I should say as such. Okay, three sacks, you know, by the defense. Yippee. Like, okay, ho hum, let's move yeah. on. Yeah, and, and real quick, I know some of you folks that are watching ESPN, I'm sure they, they're telling you in so so many slick ways that oh Kansas City doesn't need Tyreek Hill. They don't need Tyreek Hill. Check with us later in the season when we got more games on our belt. I'll leave it at that. Now, on to the Sunday night football game. The Dallas Cowboys uh, not only lose the game, but they lose their star quarterback at Dak Prescott. He injured his thumb late in the game last night. He'll be out six to eight weeks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady and company, uh, dominated the Dallas Cowboys in, t- in, in the Jerry's world, 19-3. to Brady, 212 yards and a touchdown pass. Leonard Fournette, who came into training camp overweight and out of shape, he had 21 carries for 127 yards. And Mike Evans, no, not the actor from Good Times, <laughs> he had five catches for 71 yards in a beautiful OBJ-like touchdown catch. Yeah, also Devin White had both those sacks uh, for the Bucks, and And look... I've seen people say that Jimmy G, you know, they, they should think about getting Jimmy Garoppolo. A, after the performance against the Bears yesterday, 
I'm not training Jimmy G. And two, I still doubt he would waive his uh, no trade clause to go to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas has other issues besides quarterback. Uh, of course, Cooper Rush will be taking over there for the time being. It's for six to eight weeks, I guess, for Dak. You know, Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott, you know, 52-yard rushing yards. Didn't really do too much. Wasn't really a factor. Only rushed for seven of those uh, yards. That was the longest. It, it's sort of one of those things where you're, you're kind of like, okay, here we go. Now, as far as the Bucks are concerned, I mean, Look, they, they look good. I mean, I know some people were kind of wondering, like, you know, it, will the Bucks sort of be the Bucks? Look, I know uh, Brady got sacked a couple of times, but he kind of got it going. I know, um, you know, Leonard Fred kind of you know, picked up for the rush yards, kept the change mood for them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Of course, your Cowboys scoring only three points. That's the second fewest points total they scored in the season opener in franchise history. The only time they did that, you know, was a, they were shut out. In their 89 opener, that was when Troy Aikman was the quarterback and made his debut, and also too when Jimmy Johnson mm-hmm. made his head coach debut in 89. So, but a little different times here in uh here in Dallas. Yeah, but of course, we have one more game on the schedule. That's tonight on Monday Night Football on ABC and ESPN is Denver Broncos at the Seattle Seahawks. It's the return of Russell Wilson. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck will make their debut on Monday Night Football tonight. Quickly, Lakina, your uh, studs and does from week uh, from uh, week one. All right, um, I st- <clears throat> excuse me, my son just Justin Herbert, of course. You know, three touchdown pass, three touchdown passes mm-hmm. and such. Uh, that's my one of my studs. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Brian Dable, the head coach from New York, um, went for it. You know, got one for two, got the win, and now he, and mm-hmm. he danced too apparently. So I, I guess that's <laughs> I the saw that. Way. I saw that. That was uh, yeah, that was interesting. There. Uh, let's see, what's another uh. Stud here, you know, I'll go. I'll go a little off the grid here for my 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 third stud. That's Chris Collinsworth. He powered through that broadcast last night. Yeah, well, he well, sounded game, like he lost well, his game, voice. Yeah. Well, the game was terrible, but you know, he yeah. powered on through it with a uh, with a sore throat. So it's not it's not COVID related. I don't. I want to. I'm sure he wanted to make sure make sure that was known to folks. But yeah, that those are my three studs. And quickly, my three studs. I'll give a bonus one. Number eighty eight for the Saints who blocked that kick yesterday to preserve the win over the Falcons. Of course, the Bears defense, Justin Jefferson from Minnesota, and Jalen Hurts from Philadelphia. All right, my duds, uh, Arizona, where was the effort? Where was the effort yeah. against the Chiefs? I know it's the Chiefs. You're probably like, well, they, you might be right at that level once you guys are at full strength and whatnot, once your defense got going. I know you got some, uh, a lot of new players and such, but come on now. Um, let's see, another uh, dud. Uh, the For anybody that, that watched that uh, – <laughs> The Indianapolis-Houston game? Going for the tie? <laughs> really, Lovey Smith? Mm-mm. No. No, 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 no. No. And, uh, you know, the, the old line for the Bengals. Really? He gave up seven mm-hmm. sacks? We went through this last year, folks, and that's what got you in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah my three does quickly. Uh, the, the whole Cincinnati team, uh, the Raiders offense, and the Carolina Panthers. Those are my three duds. All right, and that is our studs and does for NFL uh, Week One. We'll, we'll probably preview a little bit of the Monday Night game if we have time a little bit later on because I really want to kind of break down that game. But uh, we've got you know a lot you know to do coming up next. Again, we got uh, Nick Morawski who is back from the Locked On Sox podcast. Of course, you know some uh, it was a, a it was a day for unders and underdogs too in uh, college football. Of course, we'll give a shout out to two new U.S. Open champions. We'll also preview the uh, you know the uh, Monday, night ma- Monday night matchup. Easy for me to say as Russell Wilson makes his <laughs> return to Seattle. So a lot to do coming up next. Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago. Busy hour two coming up right after this.
At a time when the news seems as subjective as the partisan politics dividing this country, independent professional journalism has become the resource people need to get the honest and accurate information for their lives. That's why I created jpmreports.com. As a born and raised Chicago, I know this city better than anyone. So my investigative stories are all original, and they'll go deeper to expose the truth by using information obtained from public information databases and in-depth interviews with the movers and shakers. My future stories will introduce you to people and businesses who are changing the world, not just Chicago. My missing person stories will spotlight those who you don't hear about in the mainstream media who are often overlooked. If you want to hear my personal views on things around the world, check out my blog site, which is based off of factual information on my life experiences. There's also past episodes of my weekly sports podcast show, What's Up Cuz, that I host with my real-life cousin, Lance Irvin. So if you're looking for all this information and more, check out jcoinreports.com and follow me on Twitter at jcoin. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. For every generation, it has started with the call to serve. Discovering the purpose and the belonging earned with the title. Learning to dig deep and push through adversity together. Defending our nation and its people. It is a life of great worth and reward. But Marines are never really finished serving. Their commitment comes full circle, visible in communities across our country. This is Semper Fidelis, always faithful, always Marine, marking a path for the next generation. Welcome back to hour number two of the hashtag Bears Victory Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live and in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena McGee on the IG. You have any questions or comments during our last 60 minutes of this extravaganza? We call it Sports Talk Radio Show, especially for our next guest. You can always go to Sports on Chicago on Facebook or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. 
But we must remind you once again that you can also now catch Sports on Chicago on Roku TV. That's why you have already have a Roku television. Just tap into the sports folder and download Sports on Chicago that way. If you don't have a Roku television, that's okay. You have a streaming device or two laying around. So make sure you download that Roku TV app and get SX Sports on Chicago that way. Liam Hendricks is excited. You should be as well. Get with the squad. Get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now on Roku TV. Lakina, let's kick off our number two of Second City Sports for this Monday edition by discussing the 72 and 69 Chicago White Sox. As I said, Lakina, uh, the White Sox cannot let us go. And so they're still in this thing. They're two and a half games behind the Cleveland Guardians in the AL Central race to help us talk about uh, the Southside Hitman. Let's welcome on uh, to our program for the first time. He's the host of the Lockdown White Sox podcast. You can download that podcast wherever you get your podcast. And he's also the co-host of, of his other podcast, Good Guys Talk Back with co-host Pat Hester. Here comes the one and only, the marvelous Nick Morawski. Nick, welcome to our show, my man. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm, I'm doing great. Despite uh, Sunday's loss, I'm doing really well right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, we won't talk about too much about Sunday's <laughs> loss, but uh, with the seven-game road trip, Nick, with the White Sox, I expected them to go forward three because, let's be honest here, the Sox are uh, their station-to-station team. They've been playing average all year. I expected an average uh, record, but they surprised us with a 5-2 and two record. It should have been six and one, but I'll take five and two, still two and a half games out with a little bit over three weeks left to go uh, in the season. Yeah, you know, when the Sox uh, went into Seattle, Seattle was playing very good baseball. They were on a seven game winning streak. I think they just swept uh, Cleveland and <laughs> heading to the West Coast has been a problem for the White Sox for so many years. It doesn't matter what the records uh, are for the uh, athletics or for the Mariners or whether it's, you know, uh, the Angels. It's difficult for the Sox <laughs> to head out to the West Coast and play good baseball. And the way they won, you know, uh, they came alive in that one game after the sixth inning, kept grinding, kept fighting, uh, kind of stole a victory from from Seattle and then going into Oakland and, and doing what they did. Now, I understand Oakland, you know, 40 games under 500. They've pretty much, you know, been eliminated. But still, that's a difficult place to play for the Sox in the Coliseum. And, uh, you know, some lopsided uh, victories. Uh, one of the most amazing games on Friday. I, I could not believe it. A lot of folks probably went to bed thinking, you know, this team is just not going to pull it out tonight. And they came alive. Uh, you know, Sunday, unfortunate, but very difficult to sweep uh, a team, especially Oakland, you know, four games. I think it, it hasn't happened since maybe 1987 for the White Sox. So I'm very happy with a 5-2 and two record on that West Coast trip. Well, you know, they could have easily uh, split with the A's. Let's just, let's remember that, Nick. But, uh, you know, the whole thing with, with the Sox, I mean, you know, they've played, they seem like they have played better under Miguel Cairo. Um, you know, Tony La Russa, uh, as a pacemaker, he might be back by the end of the season. He might, before the end of the season, he might not. What's the status there? What are, what are your uh, sources telling you? You know, everything that I, you know, read and you follow uh, accounts like Bob Nightingale, who seems to uh, have an ear with the organization, John Heyman, uh, it sounds like LaRusso really wants to get back. You know, he wants to get back in the dugout. He wants to manage. However, the team, of course, hasn't cleared him uh, to manage. And uh, I just, you know, I, I want him to get healthy. I, you know, it's it's not a situation of, 
I think the team is going to absolutely crumble if he comes back and, 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 you know, to the dugout and starts managing again, but there is something different happening with this ball club. You can, you can hear it. You can see it. The quotes uh, that they have been giving from Liam Hendricks to Romy Gonzalez to Elvis Andrews and, and what the chemistry has been like. I don't know why they're all of a sudden hitting a ton of home runs and have power numbers, but um, hey, I wish Tony LaRusso well. I hope he gets healthy. Health is extremely mm-hmm. important. He has recognized that. Uh, it sounds like he is going to be kind of traveling back to Chicago, but there's something magical happening with Miguel Cairo, and I kind of just don't want to change that recipe right now. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick, on that. And speaking of the White Sox, uh, how, how did you think they, uh, they handled this Tony LaRusso situation? We know how it got started with that. Now, I think two weeks ago tomorrow that uh, against Kansas City, of course, Lucas Giolito uh, was starting that game. He said he found out via the scoreboard and other players found out via social media. And I kind of found it weird the way the White Sox handled it. Uh, it was, it was a me- In the beginning, it was just a mess all around. How did you think the Sox handled it then and how you think how they're handling it now? I agree with you. When I heard from, you know, Andrew Vaughn that he found out through Twitter that Tony La Russa was going to have to go on medical leave. And then you heard other players, uh, Giolito and and Gavin Sheets talk about that. Uh, I found that to be very strange. Um, And the way the the, they crafted that statement, the Chicago White Sox, that press release, uh, very odd. Um, You know, again, I there's just been this family talk over the last couple of years with Tony La Russa and they wore those shirts that said family. And, <laughs> you know, I obviously uh, Tony La Russa, a very important part of this organization in Jerry Reinsdorf's eyes. So for there not to be uh, a statement directly from Kenny Williams or Rick Hahn uh, or even Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, to the players, this is what's going on right now with, you know, our, our manager with Tony La Russa, because it's a, this was a big situation. We're finding out that this was a serious, you know, uh, undergoing procedure. And for them to find out the way they found out, I think it really rattled them. And I think you saw that in that first game against the, uh, the Royals. Uh, they, they, I don't think they knew what was happening and they couldn't concentrate on the game. And then, you know, obviously we saw what happened with the rest of that series. And then the Minnesota series, but how they're handling it right now is, uh, I, I think, I think I I like the transparency now of giving us a little bit more information regarding where he's at, and uh, again respecting his privacy, but also giving uh, I guess the fan base and and everybody else following this situation uh, more of a glimpse of. Uh, this is where he's at. Uh, he was allowed to speak to the media in Oakland on Sunday and. Uh, things are uncertain. He's relying on experts. And, you know, I, I, but I think Miguel Cairo also needs to know where he stands, too. And maybe those conversations are being had, you know, behind the curtains that we don't know about. But um, just clarity, open and honest communication as best as possible with regarding to privacy. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll we'll see. It seems like this is just going to be an ongoing thing. I just hope it's not a distraction. And that is something that Tony Larusa did say on Sunday, I just don't want to be a distraction to this team. How big of an addition has Elvis Andrews been for the Sox? I mean, he's definitely been kind of keeping the Sox in games or putting them ahead. How big of an addition has he been for the team? 
Huge. Uh, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer, right? When uh, Tim Anderson went down, uh, Sachs needed some middle infield help. Uh, Oakland Athletics uh, clearly in a spot where they aren't going to be playing veteran players. They're looking to get young, and it wasn't that Elvis Andrews couldn't play anymore. It's just Oakland wasn't going to give him playing time. And with, I think, respect to him, it's like we're going to you know, release you and, and hopefully set you up for success with the team. And a great addition. I mean, what, what he has done in that leadoff spot with the power, too, and, and the way he can play defense. And what I enjoy so much about him is he is kind of an infield captain, you know, and, and sometimes he'll go over and he will have conversations with a pitcher and just check in and, you know, just make sure he's on the same page. I think he brings a calming presence uh, to a young infield, you know, I mean, Romy Gonzalez, very fresh at second base. He's been getting a lot of playing time over there. Um, I've been very happy and I, I love the stuff that he has said, you know, and you could tell uh, in his recent quotes, especially under Miguel Cairo, uh, the fun that he's experiencing right now with guys stepping up, uh, get each other's backs. Um, he's been a huge breath of fresh air. Nick Borowski, co-host of the Good Guys Talk Bat podcast, a White Sox podcast, and the main host of the Locked on White Sox podcast is hanging out with us on the Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the 11 Color of Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina hanging out here with you. Nick, let's talk about Eloy Jimenez. I know Lakina, as you well know, she likes it when uh, Eloy's, the clips of Eloy's uh, play on left field, especially hanging in the net. I know she's rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> she, she thinks that he's a... Uh, um, not so well of a gold glover. He's a black glover when he comes. It's a hole in his glove and in left field. But I want to talk about his bat ever since he returned from his injury, especially in the second half. He's batting 363 with nine home runs. He almost hit another one out, out yesterday. But talk about Eloy Jimenez. He should be in the DH role from now until the end of the season at least. <laughs> I agree with you, and uh, we're even starting to now have those 2023 conversations, right, of mm -hmm. what are the sacks going to do in the offseason? You've got a lot of question marks with Jose Abreu and, and Gavin Sheets, but I love that the White Sox are playing him in the DH spot mm -hmm. right now. Uh, limit any type of injuries that he possibly can occur out there uh, in left field. He, we don't need him for his glove, okay? Uh, we need him from his bat. And he is up there with some of uh, Major League Baseball's best in the second half uh, of this season. It, it's just been impressive. And I think he feels comfortable knowing where he fits into the lineup. He made some statements uh, maybe a month ago in a, in a great James Fegan article in The Athletic about how it's been difficult for him to take you know days off to rest his hamstring. And he, he wasn't sure when is he going to play. You know, you play a game, you've got two games off or, or the other way around. And for him to get in a groove, you know, playing consistently every single day, uh, he gets his, his swing back. And you now you see the confidence and, and the danger that he has late in the game. He can get a rally going. He can tack on runs. And that disrupts. The whole lineup, you know, he is a feared hitter right now. And that and that and that makes other guys better around him. So you got to keep him healthy. You got to keep him in the lineup. And, and that's the DH spot for sure. Is Dylan Cease a favor for AL Cy Young? I think so. Uh, I really do. I know Justin Verlander has some better numbers, specifically ERA right now, but he's also on the IL. What Dylan Cease did 
in that 14 to two game was really impressive. They talked about it in the telecast, uh, how, how tough it is to pitch in a blowout game because you can lose your focus. You know, you can feel, well, I can let a couple runs slide. It's not that big of a deal, but for him to put a goose egg up the way he did, uh, stayed focused. Uh, I think he gets it. The, the, every one of these starts now is very important. And I'm wondering if also because the White Sox, every start for them uh, the rest of this way out is extremely important. 21 games left in the season. Every one of these games is important, which means he's got to pitch almost like it's a playoff game atmosphere you know, for his next start, which I think is against the, the Rockies on Wednesday, game two of the series. Uh, I, I put him as the favorite uh, for what he's been able to do. And uh, again, uh, but I'm a diehard Sox fan, you know, uh, but his numbers are impressive. He's over 200 strikeouts now for the year. Um, a shame that he lost that, that no hitter. I still, oh, I can't believe it. Um, I was there and trust me, uh, I wanted to cry just like everybody else. <laughs> oh, heartbreaking. Absolutely yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. But he's a guy that, you know, I always thought, um, had, had obviously the, the, the dangerous pitches and, you know, what he's able to do with his slider, but he throws a lot of pitches and I, and I feared he might not be able to see the ninth inning because sometimes he'll rack up 70 pitches after four innings and he might not be able to go the distance. Now he's starting to figure out, Hey, I don't have to strike everybody out. I can pitch the contact. I need to figure out what teams are doing against me. They don't want to go two strikes against me because they know how dangerous I can be uh, and use that to your advantage. Uh, I thought that was a great sign. Unfortunately, it didn't end the way we wanted it uh, in that Minnesota game, but how he bounced back against Oakland. And uh, I, I, yes, I put him in, in right up there. Uh, he's the favorite now. Halfway home with our guy, Nick Morowski, host of the Locked On White Sox podcast right here on, on the Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live and in living color on sports on Chicago City. Lakina hanging out with you. Nick, his last two starts were okay. We'll take them because we're in the pennant race, but Minus COVID, let me repeat again, minus COVID from early in the year. What's wrong with Lucas Giolito? From what I have read and what I have watched, he, uh, I feel like, is trying to recorrect some mechanics and almost reinvent himself on the fly uh, during a season, which is extremely difficult to do. It's mm -hmm. tough to do in the off season. Uh, you got to have a lot of eyes on you. Uh, you know, it's it, it, pitching is all about a repeatable motion. Steve Stone talks about that. And if you can't have that, then then, you know, you're you're lost because these uh, Major League Baseball hitters will pick up on any little difference. And, in, and you're essentially tipping pitches without really tipping pitches. So I think he has made uh, comments. Lucas Giolito has about, well, you know, maybe it wasn't the best thing to put on the weight, uh, the muscle, how I did it. And, you know, he quickly got injured. Um, and he's now started, I think, to try to get back to some previous years in terms of mechanics and have to alter uh, his way of pitching to get back to that. But that's tough to do in season. So I think we're seeing, you know, uh, him working things out in starts. And again, he, that start he had on Friday, I mean, you know, six innings, three earned runs, but you got to say to yourself, well, this was the, this was the Oakland team that barely scored anything the night before. How did they get quickly three runs? And when you compare him to guys like Cease and, you know, you kind of throw away uh, Johnny Cueto start on Sunday, 
uh, we're expecting something more from Giolito because he gave us that a couple of years ago, right? He mm -hmm. showed us already what he could be, and mm -hmm. we're holding him to that standard, and we haven't seen it. I think it's a mechanical thing. He's got the stuff right. Um, you know, I know he works a lot on his mental health, which is so important in controlling his emotions. And I, I think he's going to have to spend spend the offseason to get back, you know, into form. When Tim, when is Tim Anderson supposed to come back? Right, we're hearing like maybe this week, maybe next week, because they really. I know that Andrews has been, you know, kind of picking up the slack, but he, they never really need him down the stretch. They want to try to get into, back at the top of the AL Central. Yeah, I believe he's seeing a hand specialist on Tuesday to see if if and when he can return. Um, I originally heard, you know, September 20th or September 23rd. And then I heard, well, maybe, you know, it could be this week. Uh, again, he's going to see this specialist and we'll see uh, how that goes. Uh, it, it has been odd. You know, he hasn't been around and, and the Sox have caught fire. And, and, you know, to the previous point, Elvis Andres has stepped up. You know, Romy Gonzalez has stepped up in terms of production. Um, I, I don't I don't know if Tim Anderson will ever be a guy that wins a gold glove at shortstop, but we sure uh, need his bat. He gets on base. You know, he can catch fire at the top of the lineup. The fact that the Sox have been able to, to stay more than afloat, but really put some quality baseball together the last couple of weeks has been important. Um, so it, we'll, we'll see what happens. I I. I don't think you want to rush him back, even if he's like 60 or 70 percent. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to want to force him back. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping for great news that he can, you know, engage in baseball activities, grip a bat, swing, field, all that stuff. But uh, I think we have to wait a little bit on that news. Uh, speaking of another bat, Jose Abreu, what can you say about him? I know he has 15 home runs and 44 RBIs, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah. But 66 RBIs, I should say, not 44. Uh, 66 RBIs, but he's batting 310. Uh, what more can he do at this point? I know he's a free agent at the end of the year. I know his numbers were a little bit better than this last year because of uh, the players in front of him were doing their job and they were and they were healthy. But what more can you say about uh, Mr. Pito? You know, I, Jose Abreu is a guy that I believe will have his number retired. He will have a statue out on the concourse. Uh, he has meant so much to this organization than – uh, then I think we actually realize and, and what he has helped, uh, uh, how he has helped uh, certain players, younger guys that have come uh, that have come to the organization. His numbers aren't where we have seen them traditionally power numbers for sure. I mean, uh, and I, I wonder if he's kind of thinking about his future as the season goes along. Uh, he is the, the Iron Man for the White Sox. He 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 does not want to be out of the lineup. I think he's gotten so much better at first base. And instead of being that power hitter that we're used to, uh, and and let's be honest, nobody on the White Sox team is really you know cr crushing it in terms of the power numbers. Mm -hmm. But um, Jose has always been that standard. You know, twenty home runs or so, hundred RBIs, and and we we're probably not going to see that. It's going to be a stretch. Um, he, but his average is there and is, and he's, he's hitting the ball. He's, he's become kind of what Paul Canerco was late in his career where, uh, Canerco didn't have those power numbers, but he still was a professional hitter. You know, he would have an inside out swing that would take a ball to right field with a guy on second. And he would say, you know what, I'm not going to drive the ball in the gap, but I'm going to get, I'm going to advance this guy over. I'm going to have a quality at bat. Um, 
he has a ton of value still for this team right now. Moving forward is the question, though. That That's the big, I think that's a big question mark for the White Sox. I'm wondering what they're going to do, what value they have with him. Uh, Andrew Vaughn's your future at first base. Like we had mentioned with Eloy Jimenez, I think right now he's Eloy Jimenez is the front runner for DH in 2023. Where does that leave Jose Abreu? So uh, big questions, uh, but you cannot, you know, you can't overlook what he has meant to this organization. And uh, I just hope he can stay healthy for this final stretch here and, uh, Boy, how great would it be for the Sox to to win the AL Central and, and Jose Abreu is helping them lead the charge. Well, and, and last question from me, Nick. Uh, can they win the NL Central? They still they got these two games against Colorado starting tomorrow, finishing up that little home and home there. Then they got that makeup game against Cleveland on Thursday. Then they, they go at Detroit. Then they play Cleveland again at home. Then they play Detroit again at home. Then they go at Minnesota. They still got to play Minnesota again. And they got to go at San Diego. Then, then come back here to finish up the season he's in host of minnesota to finish it up can they win the al central they could win the al central absolutely um you know it's uh they they should have been buried a long time ago by the way and and uh, players like liam Hendricks will um they'll own up to that you know the way that the Sox have played baseball for majority of this year they should have been long forgotten a long time ago but nobody seems to have really wanted to win this al central the Guardians and the Twins have allowed the Sox to hang in there. The Sox have caught fire recently. Uh, you know, they're playing a different brand of baseball, something, a, a flip, a switch is flipped. Um, I, I still I, I still have them winning the AL Central. I, I think they're going to pull it out. Uh, four left with the Guardians, six with the Twins, but it's going to be close. I mean, it's going to come down, I think, to the final two games. And you kind of... I think the Sox mentality is you, you can't expect anything from the Guardians. Don't expect them to help you out. They The Sox just have to focus on their business. Take care of their own business one game at a time. Try not to look ahead uh, and, and see, oh, well, we've got Detroit this weekend. No, no, no. One game at a time, Colorado. Or don't, don't look at that Guardians game yet, that makeup game on Thursday. Take care of business at home. These two games, you know, one game at a time, we got Colorado. Uh, it, it's, a, it, it's a whole team effort. You know, we're talking about starting pitching, bullpen. Everybody's got to do their job. Uh, but, yes, I, I think they can win the AL Central. Last question for me, Nick. I, I want to focus in on the White Sox uh, bullpen. Not so much Liam Hendricks. He's been doing the job all year. But that middle relief, Aaron Bummer's back. He saw some action in the last couple of games of this Oakland series. But talk about Renato Lopez, a, a former starter who had his moments. But uh, the, uh, the this uh, this season, he's been doing the job as your sixth and seventh inning guy. I like Lopez a lot. And I, you know, I, who would have thought you were going to be saying that a couple of years ago? You know, mm -hmm. he was a, just a different pitcher. He had some corrective eye surgery that we became aware of, uh, fixed some mechanics, cleaned some things up. Uh, he He's come into some high level situations. His velocity is what, 98, sometimes 99 miles mm -hmm. per hour. He's, mm -hmm. he's pitched in some great uh, opportunities and uh, I, I'm very happy where he's at right now. And I love that he is an, uh, is a weapon out of the bullpen for the White Sox. Uh, you know, the bullpen, it can be shaky. You know, it's hit or miss sometimes. It's definitely not the type of bullpen we thought it was going to be entering this season. Um, but 
guys like Jimmy Lambert, Ronaldo Lopez, very reliable for the Sox these days. Mm -hmm. All right. That was Nick Morawski. He's the co-host of the Good Guys Talk Back podcast, a White Sox podcast with Pat Hester. And he's the host of the Locked On White Sox podcast. You can get those both those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes for both are out today, so go and support this young man. Nick, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. I wanted to say this publicly. It was nice meeting you and your wife and your young son out of the, uh, the games earlier this season. Are you going to go to any more before the season's out, or will it be determined how the White Sox finish this thing? Oh, you know, I've got uh, I've got still tickets in the in the old season ticket package. Uh, actually, uh, Tuesday, I'm going to try to take my my little boy maybe for a couple innings. Just the fact that they're back in town, uh, and then I do I do have tickets for the last game of the year against the Twins. So I, I still have some more games, and uh, weather sometimes plays a role. But yeah, again, I think it's going to be exciting down the stretch. So I'm, I'm planning to still be uh, out there at 35th and Shields. Yeah, hopefully the last series against Minnesota means something. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see how uh, how it shapes out. Uh, once again, great job. Uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Uh, much continued success, and we're looking forward to having you back on again soon. Absolutely. Thank you both so very much. Go Sox. And, uh, yes. yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be talking uh, talking postseason. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Nick. Take care. You as well. Bye-bye. All right. Once again, that's Nick Morawski, the host of the Locked On White Sox podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Once again, at Nick underscore GGTB. That's Good Guys Talk Back. That's his other podcast that he hosts with uh, with uh, Pat Hester. Lakina, we got to cool off a bit. We got to come back and finish strong. We got to talk about week two in college football. Somebody got their pink slip and link card. <laughs> of course, there were some upsets. Uh, we got to talk about some other uh, sports happenings and time permitting. Your truly has an interesting anniversary for old school TV Monday. Let's do that and a whole lot more as you're listening to the Monday edition of Second City Sports. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago.
a few who move toward the sounds of chaos. Ready to respond at a moment's notice. And when the time comes, they are the first to move toward the sounds of tyranny, injustice, and despair. They are forged in the crucible of training. They are the few, the proud, the Marines. Welcome back to Second City Sports, the hashtag Bears Victory Monday edition. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina's McGee on the IG. We got less than a half hour left of this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Lakina, it was an interesting week in week two of college football. Scott Frost, now the ex-head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, got his uh, link, pink slip and link card. They lose to Georgia Southern at home. How could that happen? And I want to start off with uh, with this classic game. I did get a chance to watch the fourth quarter of this game. Alab- number one, Alabama gets by Texas uh, in the big state, 20-19. to 19. Texas suffered a, a, a big sack uh, on their drive uh, on third down toward the end of the game, which it forced them to kick a field goal instead of going for the touchdown. But Bryce Young and the Alabama Prince Crimson Tide, they know how to get it done. They've been in tough and key situations before, and l- last Saturday's win was another example of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Alabama, this is, like I said, this is a big game for a uh, big Saturday for unders and underdogs. And in this case, you got Georgia mm-hmm. Southern from the Sun Belt beating Nebraska and, and and such. Now, this was just, I don't know how that happened, but that's a whole different thing. We'll get to it in a second because we got to We got to get it. We got to go do this rapid fire, Sid, because, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, I don't, you know, but. Now, now, as far as the Alabama game, I mean, look, that, that I don't know who was, I forgot who it was that from Texas was supposed to tackle Bryce Young. But he's going to be, he's going to be having a very sleepless nights with that sack and such. So mm-hmm. Alabama is not beatable. They definitely are beatable. And I think Texas kind of showed you the blueprint. Quinn Years, who was their, uh, their, um, their star, uh, prep star quarterback, you know, true freshman, you know, kick out to Texas early. You know, unfortunately, got hurt. He's going to be gone for a couple of months. You know, who knows what mm-hmm. would have happened had they had, had they had stayed, had he had stayed there and stayed healthy because they were beating them pretty well with them. But you know, like I said, I don't think Alabama. Look, Georgia knocked them out as it should have been. The Georgia should have been the number one team coming out of the gates this year. But like I said, I feel about preseason polls and such. But you know, it is what it is. So uh, yeah, look, I know. Look, Texas. I think yo showed a little bit of a fight. They were right there. Could have won that mm-hmm. game. Probably should have won that game. But yeah, they should have you know, won that game. Why. It is what it is, but you know, it, it's well. Look, I, like I said, I think Alabama is showing you that 
They are they are holes. So and Texas is posed in the net. Now look, Georgia beat Stanford, which is supposed to to a, an FCS team. They beat Stanford, uh, Ohio State. Of course, you know, of course, they beat Arkansas State, Michigan. This might have no weight a little bit because of uh, weather delays. Beat Hawaii pretty handily. Clemson, uh, you know, beat Furman pretty easily. Uh, probably one another one of the biggest upsets. Appalachian State, you know, it was a seems to be a decent uh, week for the uh, the Sun Belts. They upset Texas A and M. This is their second time being a top ten team. Of course, you got to go all the way back to oh seven when they beat Michigan. Michigan yep, <laughs> at in Ann Arbor. Um, so. You know, that's, I mean, there really nothing else you can say about that one. Like I said, I'm sure Jimbo Fisher will be smarting there. Uh, Marshall, you know, for the, that's the second time their uh, school history beating uh, the number at uh, the top, you know, the top 10 team being Notre Dame. They should not have, to me, they should not have been in the top 10. But again, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, Marcus Freeman, Owen, too. All the love for him is now gone. <laughs> we well, was Owen 3 to remember, too. They lost to Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to Kaylon LeBron from Marshall. Had 31 carries for 163 yards and a mm-hmm. touchdown. He definitely propelled them, the Thundering Herd, to that victory. He was driving Uber last year, so he wasn't even in college. So the fact that he got a got a chance to get a scholarship, you know, to Marshall, and then was a big was a big uh, reason why they were able to pull off this upset against Notre Dame. I mean, this is sort of a you know, this has been a, a proud program, and such Marshall is. So this is sort of like a big win for that that program and, and such. So, you know, I it, it's definitely kind of one of those things, you know, as far as, you know, Notre Dame, like I said, they're, they're like near the you know, the tail end, you know, Charles Hopp, you know, a name that a lot some of you probably have, have heard of. You know, he played in the NFL for years, been a college coach for the last few years. You know, he, he like if you saw his uh his uh presser afterwards, I mean, you know, his guys were intimidated by, you know, coming to South Bend and they weren't. So good for them. Yeah, good for them. That was a, a great story for that young man from Marshall, you know, to be driving Uber and then now to to star on a team that upset one of the uh, historic teams in the country. That's just a, a great story for that young man. Uh, Lakina, Wisconsin, we talked about them last year. They got out to a terrible start and they rallied to have a success, successful season. Uh, uh, they took a step back uh, on Saturday. They lost to Washington State in Madison 17-14. To yeah. watch the state cougars. Yeah, I mean, it is it's definitely kind of one of those things. You know, Jake Jake Dickert. You know, this is his first full year. You know, we we talked about you know what happened to that program and some of like the sort of like you know the transitions that they had. You know, we'll go to his home state of Wisconsin and mm-hmm. beats Wisconsin. That's not at Camp Randall. That's not an easy place to play. That's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And sort of one of those again. It's sort of one of those things where look that defense for uh, for Washington State definitely kind of kept. You know, the Badgers at base, so good for them. It's just their second their second win against a top ten uh team and 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 such. So big win for the Cougs and for uh the Pac twelve, because I'm sure there were some, you know, those about the Pac twelve, but they look a nice win for them. Uh Baylor beats B uh BYU, I should say beats Baylor in a two overtime thriller. Uh Baylor left a lot of points on the board. So, you know, I think that's sort of like a thing. Now some people say could BYU somehow sneak into the uh college football playoff. They've got a pretty look, they got a pretty tough schedule. They gotta go at Oregon this Saturday. So well actually yeah, they yeah, they gotta go at Oregon this Saturday. That's gonna be a tough uh game. Uh, they gotta go, gotta go at Notre Dame and also too they host Arkansas. So they still got a lot uh, to do here. And plus their schedule isn't gonna, you know, propel them to that, but a nice win for them at home, kind of like a little payback for 
what uh, Baylor did to them last year. Uh, Wake, For- Wake Forest beats Vanderbilt. You know, that was going to be a tough uh, tough uh, game for them. They were able to uh, pull that out. Ole mm-hmm. Miss you know, beats Central Arkansas. NC State beats Charleston Sutter. Sutter in the Johnny, the second annual Johnny Majors Bowl. Of course, you know, Tennessee and Pittsburgh. That was a thrilling game. Uh, Pitts, uh, Tennessee, I should say, uh, beats mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. You know, they came back. You know, Tennessee did, and they were able to, you know, t- get the game, you know, tie the game, I should say, Pittsburgh and you know, force overtime. And it was our defense that kind of finished them off for them. Yeah, yeah, Kentucky beat Florida 26-16. As we talked about on Friday, Lakina could Florida keep up the momentum of holding off Utah uh, the previous week? The answer was no. Kentucky uh, went into the swamp and, and did their job. So I know they're ranked number 20 right now. You think they'll jump up uh, for a couple of spots. And locally, Duke beat Northwestern Evanston. Northwestern couldn't pass the ball. They had two huge turnovers. That was the, the difference in the game. In the final line nine, Brett Bielma, uh, they – beat Virginia handily down in Champaign. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected that, but uh I didn't. <laughs> going back, yeah, going back to Northwestern, uh the Northwestern Duke game. I mean, Northwestern had two weeks off, so I don't know what the heck happened there. Um, uh, you know, it was the first time Duke's gone 2 and 0 since 2018, so that was a nice win for them in that program and and mm-hmm. such. I mean, look, I mean, Northwestern tried made it a little made it go at it later. It was a fumble and such and that that I'm sure he's going to be smarting over that one, but uh, you know Mike Elko, who you know took over for you know the Duke program. I think I'm sure that's a big win for him. You know that's not an easy place to place to play at Ryan Field. And let's not. Uh, there was one more game I wanted to mention before we move on. Uh, what was it? I forgot. But but yeah, I, I mean, look, like I said, it was like a lot of unders. You know, the, the Battle of Iowa, Iowa State. Uh, beats Iowa 10-7. Of course, you know, Iowa scored a touchdown. Their offense scored a touchdown. I mean, I didn't think they were allowed to do that, but after (laughs) what happened, you know, their game against South Dakota State a couple weeks ago, but, you know, unfortunately, they couldn't get it going, you know, after that. I mean, it was actually Iowa State's defense that kind of helped them out uh, there for the Cyclones. It's their their first one, I think, in like like five years since Matt Campbell's been there. He had been 0 for like four, I think, you know, you know, playing Iowa State in the Cyhawk Classic, if you if you will. So that was that's actually a nice win for him. Like I said, like I said, this, was, this was definitely a Saturday for unders. And unders. So if you took the under, the under in a lot of games, you know, you actually had a pretty mm-hmm. good Saturday in a lot of these games. So also Mickey Joseph, of course, who takes over for Scott Frost as an interim. He's actually the first uh, black head coach ever at Nebraska. And I was actually a little. I'm not actually surprised, but I'm not surprised. But yeah, so we'll. we'll this you know, is the sure same thought, thought process I had. Yeah, I'm like, really? Yeah. In any sport? Yeah, that that's a little weird to me. But but apparently, yeah. I guess Dom, Domican Sue, who's a former start in Nebraska, he uh, <laughs> he <clears throat> he kind of put his name out there. Perhaps maybe he could be the next head coach of Nebraska. <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna happen. But that's a, that's actually pretty funny. But uh, yeah, that the he kind of put out there on Twitter that hey, I want to be the next head coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our guy Lamont Scott checking in via uh, Facebook. He says first time LSU versus Southern in a hundred years. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll see what Brian Kelly does. We talked, to, we mentioned it on Friday, Lakina, with our girl Christine Manica. Uh, Brian Kelly was in some hot water after after losing the opening game uh, on Labor Day. And we, we didn't expect LSU to be in the national title race. You expected it to be better. There's still some time, but he's got to change that situation in a hurry. 
Yeah, he really does. And uh, like I said, I think losing to Florida State the way they did, I think that, <laughs> that probably didn't help him there as, as you know for that. You know, but again, I mean, I'm sure they'll figure it out. But you know, it's a little crazy that mm-hmm. that whole thing. But yeah, the fake accent that could only get you so far there. But yeah, get beat Southern. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's okay. That, that reminds that, me of uh, you. Remember that movie Blue Chips, Lakina? And uh, Nick Nolte mm-hmm. uh, was lying to, I want to say, Alfie Woodard's character, the Penny Hardaway's uh, family. I forgot, the, the, uh, Butch McRae. Talking about, I grew up in the Pentecostal, blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah, well, I know what you was trying to do, trying to recruit that kid to go play for your school. Yeah, I grew up in the Pentecostal, lying through his teeth. That's what these coaches do to get kids to recruit to go play for them. Mm-hmm. Utah uh, with a nice belt. <laughs> Utah pretty handily. Well, look, I got nothing to say. So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like weird, but Miami beats Southern Miss. Uh, pretty handily, they got to go at uh, Texas A&M. You know, that'll be interesting. I'm sure they're not, the Aggies are not going to be in a very good mood there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Air Force beats Colorado in a little sort of like in-state matchup. Uh, Memphis beats Navy. Uh, Rutgers, they're 2-0, and beating Wagner easily. Uh, UCLA uh, had a little bit, you know, a little less trouble with Alabama State's. Uh, let's see here. What else? And yeah, that's about it. In the good, in the good one, you know, uh, San uh, Auburn held off San, o- San Jose State. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it. Uh, Oregon with a nice, another nice bounce back win against Eastern Washington. And yeah, Oregon State you know, stays undefeated. They beat uh, Fresno State. You know, with a pretty much in a thrilling game. And um, Mississippi State pulls away from Arizona. One more question about college football before we move on. Did you catch Pat McAfee's uh, debut on ESPN's College Game Day? If so, what did you think? Because I missed it. Yeah, it was it was okay. I mean, it's obvious that they're not going to use Coach Lee Corso too much anymore. I'm sh- I wouldn't be surprised. This is probably going to be his last year. I'm talking about Lee Corso. That's probably why they brought mm-hmm. back McAfee on, you know, on a full time basis. But look, I mean, he was fine. I mean, like he said, he he admits that he doesn't watch a lot of college football. I don't know why he would say that out loud, but okay, you know, you got sometimes you got to fake it to make it, as they say. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, but yeah, look, he was fine. I was like, I'm sure he'll be just fine. Like I said, I think, you know, I think also too, I think the coach, 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 I think this was probably his last year. I think, or at least they're gonna at least limit him uh, as mm-hmm. as they are already doing now. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, the Monday edition of hashtag Bears Victory Monday edition. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago. Uh, what other sports nuggets and news that you have for us before we close out? We still have a few minutes left. Uh, the U.S. Open, uh, they crowned a couple of new champions at the U.S. Open. Uh, we'll start on the, whim- on the women's side. Iris Protek, uh, of course, you know, that's her, this is her third Grand Slam. She's only like three quarters of the way through the Grand Slam. Of course, she won uh, – the front, the Wimbledon and the French Open, and she all, she all is, she all, you know, now she's at the U.S. Open to her credit. She submits herself uh, number one ranking. You know, she won the trade sets over you know, Onus Onus Yavor at twenty one. She becomes the youngest three time made women's major champion since Maria Sharapova back when she did it at the Aussie Open. We'll see if she can get you know that career Grand Slam. So you know, so kind of like submitting herself as the sort of the uh, the number one player. In women's tennis, I know that they're, you know, people are wondering, like, what are they going to, you know, what what is it going to be? But, uh, yeah, she's mm-hmm. sort of like, she's, look, and she even admitted that the hard courts weren't her, wasn't her best surface. In the U.S. Open Series, she didn't do uh, very well. So she actually lost, like, you know, some early rounds. So 
I, I would say that she probably is definitely on her way. And and look, you know, her, her game's gotten better. And uh, look, it's I, I think she's kind of right there. And also. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and also, too, uh, Carlos Alcaraz wins his first Grand Slam, beating Casper Rue. Uh, you know, this is a guy who uh, grew up, you know, uh, just idolizing Rafael Nadal, and now he's the second youngest, you know, after Pete Sampras, the young, second youngest player to win a Grand Slam. Well, at the U.S. Open, I should say. So that was a nice uh, room for him. Could this be a change of the guard? I mean, I, I wouldn't say it just yet because of the fact that, you know, of course, he, you know, of course, you know, Djokovic couldn't couldn't come, you know, because of you know mm -hmm. the rules and such, but uh. Yeah, but you know he's the first tier of talking about Alcaraz to win uh, a Grand Slam, and since the, it was first introduced, and also he's the first number one uh, player, the first teenager to become a number one ranked player since the records were introduced all the way back in 1973. Yeah, congratulations to him, Lakina. I'll I'll say this. Uh, I'll t talk about this just like I talk about in golf all the time. With tennis, I'll talk about who's going to be in that next male tennis star in the U.S. to step up. We haven't seen the, anything close to the likeness of it since Andy Roddick. That was about almost 20 years ago. You mentioned Jokic and Rafael Nadal. They've been dominating over the last uh, decade, decade and a half or so. But who's going to be the ne that next male uh, tennis star from the, from the USA to dominate? We see it from the ladies all the time, uh, even though with Serena retiring, Venus probably will be following her very soon. But who's going to be that next star? You need that next star to, to sell – to sell the sport uh, on the female side, there's no problem. But on the male side, as far as the male American uh, side is concerned, who's going to be the next star? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Like I said, I think Francis, uh, Francis, uh, Francis Tiafoe, I think he could definitely be right there. I think he will win a grand oh. slam. Yeah, I think he will win a grand slam. It's a matter of, you know, when not, you know, really a matter of when not if at this point. I think he's got the game there. He's almost there, but I think he kind of need to improve on some things. He's he's only 24, so he's still he hasn't reached his peak yet in men's tennis. So I think he'll be okay. Now on the women's side, look, Coco Goff just turned 18. The pressure's gonna start to become going on her to perhaps maybe maybe you know, win a grand slam. She was close. I thought she was gonna she, make a run and run it and win it this year, especially what she did to my girl Madison Keys, but uh, just wasn't in the cards. Yeah, I mean, like I said, she's 18 now, but I think the mm -hmm. pressure, especially now with Serena officially retired, I guess there's going to be like a lot of pressure going to be on her, to, you know, to try to, you know, get get there. So she made the finals at the French, you know, mm -hmm. made to the, the semis at the US Open for the first time. I think it's going to be like I said, I feel, I feel the same thing with her. I think it's going to be a matter of if, not when. When when she wins, not if she wins. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we'll we'll see what happens there in, in the in the um, world of tennis. You're listening to Second City Sports or Sports on Chicago, the Monday edition, live in living color. I'm Sid. It's Lakina. Lakina, you have anything else before we go to old school TV Monday? Just a, uh, so uh, uh, breaking news, I guess. Uh, Mac Jones. Uh, apparently, the good news is, is that the next race came out negative, and that is just back spasms. So he might be able to play on Sunday, but the fact that he's 20. Three and be dealing with back spasms, that's not good. So this could be something to look out for in these next, you know, next you know, few weeks. I mean, we all know back spasms can come out of nowhere. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh there. And uh like it's been said, of course, that Prescott officially it will be out six to eight weeks mm -hmm. and such. And uh yeah, that's about it. 
Yeah, just a couple of quick things there. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, the New England Patriots really need him because uh, they have a young, uh, a young average team at best. And I know they made the playoffs last year, but this year it's, it's, it's going to be tougher in the AFC East, as we talked about last week. You saw what Buffalo did on opening night. You saw what Miami did to them yesterday. And so we know the Jets are still terrible. So uh, if Mac Jones is out for any extended period of time, the Patriots are in trouble. And as far as Dallas is concerned, uh, I don't know if they can get by with Cooper Rush at quarterback. I know he upset the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football last year, but he, if he's going to be there in that lineup close to two months, uh, uh, I think Mike McCarthy can say goodbye to his job. It's not all his fault, but we're dealing in the world of professional sports. It's all about wins and losses. If Dallas can at least keep that record above 500, especially after what Philadelphia did to Detroit yesterday, uh, it's going to be a long year for, uh, for the Dallas uh, football team. All right, Sid, uh, we got some time. Uh, what's the, I, I can already tell by the uh, green screen, kind of spoiled it for, for everybody. Uh, old school TV Monday, of course, and we got some time that we're going to try to make sure we got some time during the, uh, the football NFL season because we know we had our football power hour and such. Mm-hmm. But it looks like we're, uh, we're remembering uh, Saved by the Bell, but not the original, though. We're going to be remembering Saved by the Bell, the new class, the TNBC uh, show that last actually lasted longer. Then the original show, if you could believe yes, that, it, it did. seven seven seasons on NBC, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's sort of one of those things where, and I'll, and I'll say this, and I'll let you uh, go. Uh, the first season, I think everyone can agree they try to do a, like a carbon copy of the, the 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 old class and the new class. He had the Zach type who talked to the camera. He had like the the Slater type character, of course, the Screech type character. Of course, you got the Black Princess and Lisa and Mega Lawson, who looks exactly the same as she did when she first premiered on the yes. Uh, that show. <laughs> uh, of course, it, it premiered on you know actually about tw- about thir- about twenty nine years ago. Yesterday is September 11, ninety three. On NBC, yes. its last episode was on January of two thousand. I actually stopped watching then by that point because it was just kind of getting kind of old and boring. And so, of mm-hmm. course, they had like the feminist you know type, but. I remember uh, Eve Runs- Rubenstein, who was the uh, the casting director for Saved by the Bell, both the original and the new class. And she said that they never got it right with the cast of the new class. She said they weren't as talented, not as charismatic. They, all, of course, every year they kept well, except for the last couple of seasons, they kept like changing. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the, the kids. It, you know, they never really got it right for the most part. You know, and then she said that was always a big problem: the consistency and and, and the. Uh, Sort of like you know, keep that consistency and, and such. You know, once we started learning about new character, oh well, like one or two or three people leave, we got to whole, learn whole new characters. It was just kind of a, mm-hmm. it was kind of annoying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, they they dealt with issues like the original. They dealt with drinking. They dealt with uh, you know, drugs. You know, steroids and such. They dealt with dating uh, and all dating, that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, sexual assault. Well, attempted sexual assault, I should say. Mm-hmm. So that and also too, they got Dustin Diamond to kind of help. It actually helped bump up the ratings. He came on during the second mm-hmm. season. And I remember, I remember Dennis Haskins say this in, in, in an interview that you know by those later seasons they had you know of course he played Mr. Bell in both the original and the new class and good for him for kind of you know keeping that going for as long as he long as he did mm-hmm. you know from all from all the way back to Gamora and Miss Blitzen in the late eighties to now of course you know the new class and to finish up in two thousand they had they had him in, uh well Bell and Screech doing like some really like dumb stuff so I think that kind of I think that, that kind of turned me off a little bit too that's why I stopped watching near the end but. You know, say by about new class. I mean, look, it was it was a it was instrumental in that TM's at TNBC lineup with California Dreams and Hang Time. Mm-hmm. So that that I mean, like I said, I like the show. I'm a little surprised it's not streaming on Peacock. I'm a little surprised that it isn't, but 
it had its moments, but if I had to choose, I probably would still prefer the new class. Our guy Lamont Scott oh, from the main show, yeah. I should say. Yeah, our guy Lamont Scott from uh, Facebook checks in. He, he says, I never watched it because Lark Vory's, aka the Lisa Turtle, was gone. Yeah, pretty much the original cast was gone. And so, yeah, um, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. The reason why I did this because the anniversary was yesterday, 29 years ago, yesterday, uh, that it premiered. It, like you said, set up those shows like California Dreams and City Guys at Hang Time. Those shows would come a couple years later to build that TNBC lineup. But I'm with you. The, the first couple years, I kind of, I, 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 I kind of dug it. Uh, we all knew there wasn't going to be like the original cast, but you had to let it grow on its own. Not the, like you said, it, it started to, but like you said, the casting changes, the storylines were the same, but the casting changes. I remember a couple of the new actors uh, that, that were held over um, from the original say by the Build a New Class um, series. Uh, they, they made a couple of, of spoofs about it. I can't deal with all these changes and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, into that, like you say, into, into that second season, going into that third season of the new class, uh, they started making all these changes and then the storylines change and then some of the stuff just uh, kind of got redundant. I'm with you. I start. I stopped watching uh, the last couple of years. I know there were on reruns in the late 90s, early 2000s on USA, but uh, for at least for the first two, two and a half years, I really dug that new class. I'm not going to say it was, it was better than the original because uh, it was not. The original stands alone by itself. But the first two seasons, I'd say two and a half seasons, it was very good. But after that, like you said, the casting changes and the redundancy of some of the storylines, what kept that together, like you said, Mr. Belding and the late uh, Screech Powers. And, and, and that's what they brought him on for. And it, it actually set him up. For, for those other shows so it kind of did its part not what may, not what many people wanted but uh some of the viewers still liked it and it helped keep nbc up afloat on in saturday mornings well that was yeah i think that kind of transitions to some of the other stuff too and and look i mean mm -hmm. you, we saw it probably the most famous episode was when jim harbaugh of course you know he didn't play for the indianapolis Colts then he, you know, he he appeared on the show. I'm sure there were other, you know, celebrities that, that appeared on there. I know, and I, I know that uh, Mark Paul Gosser played Zach. And I think appeared, I think, in the first season of that show. Mm -hmm. I think Lark Vore, he's also appeared on the uh, first during the first couple of seasons on that show. So they did try to get, you know, some of the old, you know, the old class still to come in and such. But, you know, I guess it wasn't, you know, it just didn't work. And 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 yeah, look, I thought it was okay, like I said, but. You know, mm -hmm. the, the cash changes, you know, they kept repeating storylines. Like I said, they did a lot of, you know, Dustin Diamond, you know, may continue to rest in peace, but it, it just, mm -hmm. it just wasn't the same. And, you know, I think they tried too hard to make it be like the new, like the old class. But once, you know, once they didn't, they kind of veered away from that. It still wasn't very good. So, you know, like I said, I stopped watching like the last couple of years of it. So it, it, it was one of those shows that like, it was good for what it was, but would I put it as like mm -hmm. in the classic category? Not really. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And like I said, uh, you could have let it have grown over the, after the first couple of years, but like I said, all these changes started happening. And like you said, you lose interest, you lose viewership. And, and that's exactly what happened. That I give them credit for keeping it on for seven years for other reasons, but you know, it did what it's supposed. It did what it's supposed to do by helping those other shows we just mentioned uh, stable uh, help stable that Saturday morning lineup. And one quick note: remember Nancy McKeon on uh, Facts of mm -hmm. Life back in the day, or her younger sister uh, Lindsay McKeon mm -hmm. started in the last uh, four years of that show. I'll say by the build a new class. Yeah, I really like. I really liked her character. So, 
Yeah. yeah I like mm-hmm. her character. I like a couple of the other characters that were on there. But like I said, I think nothing was going to beat the original class and mm-hmm. such. And, you know, I, I'm kind of like sort of, like I said, I mean, for what it was, I mean, like I said, it was really, like I said, like it had its moments. But like I also said, too, I mean, nothing was going to touch it. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. what what happens i mean hopefully they'll have it on peacock at some point i mean they, they i don't think i think they, they have the original state by the bill but i don't think they have any of the other they don't have mm-hmm. the new class they don't have california dreams i'm a little surprised they don't since they are nbc produced shows but you know maybe yeah. they will at some point since they are trying to get their get more folks to to sign up for peacock so maybe that that'll change but uh yeah so you know say it by the bill the new class like i said you know for what it was mm-hmm. but like i said it, you know, if i put like in that like mid-tier when it comes to like you know top like teen mm. shows. Yes. The new class, especially. So we salute on the 29 year anniversary premiere of Saved by the Bell, the new class right here on Sega City Sports for Old School TV Monday. Check in next week. We'll have another uh, unsung TV show to salute on Old School TV Monday. If, with that said, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scrum McGee on the IG. You can follow your truly Sydney Brown on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S I D K I D 80. S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. Excuse me. Make sure you download the Sports on Chicago app today wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow Sports on Chicago on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And make sure you follow us on our podcast at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And make sure you follow, follow War Media at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Programming note tonight, 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 tonight at 6 p.m. From 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Catch an all-new episode of What's Up, What's Up Cuz with Lancey Irving and our guy Jason Palmer. Uh, they're going to have Io Dusumu now going to his second year uh, with the Chicago Bulls. And they're going to have um, former Fighting Illini basketball starting new head coach of Roosevelt University, Mr. D. Brown. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up tonight at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Zone Chicago. Absolutely. Make sure you guys check that out. Uh, let's see. And don't forget, there we're also on Roku TV. Roku! All right. I want to say whatever, de- whatever device you got, whether it's your you know, smartphone, laptop, mm-hmm. smart TV, uh, Chromebook, tablet, whatever. Just look it up. You know, just look it up on the app, your respective app store. Sports on Chicago. You can check us out uh, anytime you want. You can check out uh, our show. What's up, cuz? Of course, Sean and Maya, and you know, and a whole lot more. I know we got some a couple other shows are gonna be uh, flying as well. Also, to speak of Sean and Maya, make sure you guys check out former Bear QB Eric Kramer mm-hmm. after every uh, Bears game this year, every Monday for mostly, you know, of course, I'm sure there's going to be some Tuesdays and such, but uh, and, and Friday and whatnot. Well, I, I should say Wednesday, and, you know, of course, I'm sure it's going to be like a Friday. I know they have a, they have a Thursday night game this year, too, I mm-hmm. think. so. And a Monday night game against the Patriots later on in the season. <laughs> yeah, so you, know, that, you can check him out on Wednesdays on that one, and Friday mm-hmm. for the other, for the Thursday night game. But yeah, mm-hmm. for the most part, he will be on Mondays every week. Of course, you watch a replay of that on you know YouTube and on Roku TV. Yes, and so uh, so catch Eric Kramer every Monday as Lakina mentioned on Sean and Maya in the morning, exclusively right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Make sure you catch Second City Sports live in Living Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to two p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. One more again, as you young folks would say, catch Second City Sports live in Living Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to two p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. 
All right. I know it's I know it's gonna be cool the next couple of days here in Chicago. So get those get those jackets out already, folks. Sorry. At least for a couple of days anyway. Well, yeah, we'll say it'll, it'll get back to normal too. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe maybe unless you have to you actually have to go out, make sure you guys wear a jacket and uh you know and such. But uh you know, but still, you know, stay safe out there. If you're not gonna get vaccinated, wash your hands and be good to each other. This has been Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago, and we'll see you Friday. Till then, stop bears and go socks. Holla!